Well, thank you for being here today. Uh, my name is Pastor Andrew. I am the lead pastor uh, here at First Church, and we thank you uh, for sharing in life uh, together with us. Um, as some of you know, many of you know, uh, I have been blessed uh, by sharing life uh, together with you this week at the, uh, the passing of my grandfather. It's been a difficult week for our family as he passed away uh, rather unexpectedly, and I uh, just so much appreciate the prayers and the texts and the calls and the words uh, of encouragement that you have, uh, that you provided for me. Um, you know, men are pretty good at compartmentalizing things. It's one of our gifts, right? Uh, but I had a real hard time compartmentalizing when you're sitting here and you're worshiping and you're in the throne room of God and just imagining, imagine your loved one <laughs> singing those very same songs before the throne seeing clearly the face of God, the reward of a life well-lived. Folks, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Not just that we would get to heaven someday and enjoy our reward someday, but that heaven would come down to us, that we would be a part of, in, of bringing in the kingdom of God into this place, that many would know the joy of knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. So thank you. Thanks for your love for me. Thanks for your sharing in life together with me. Thanks for your encouragement and walking alongside of me. I'm going to try not to cry the whole sermon, and so uh, let's get started. Uh, we are now in the third week, if you haven't been with us, of our sermon series called Strongholds. If you would, everyone say that with me, Strongholds. And if you haven't been with us, what we are doing in this five-week series is we're looking at some of the uh, worst sins, some of the most dangerous strongholds, sins that take root in our hearts. Uh, we looked last week at the stronghold of anger. Uh, this week we look at the stronghold of pride. Uh, next week it is greed, and the following week is lust. So I will warn you again, that is our order, right? If you're here, it's because you want to hear it. If you're not here, you might not want to hear it, right? But you can still hear the podcast and get convicted that way. It'd be fantastic, right? So uh, we encourage you to do that uh, as well. Today is the stronghold of pride. Now, maybe you're saying, maybe you're new and you're saying, you know, Andrew, I can think of a whole lot worse sins than this, right? If I asked you to list the worst sins, you might say something like uh, murder or child abuse or infidelity, adultery, sexual abuse, something like that. Uh, that's a whole lot more worse, right? That's a whole lot worse than one of these sins, and it's true, it is. But what Scripture tells us is that these four are some of the most dangerous of the sins, not necessarily because they are the worst, but because they're the most common. They're the most acceptable. In fact, in some phases of life, we might even call them normal, but here's what our key verse for the series says. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. Here's what Paul says about strongholds. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not what? Say it out loud with me. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to do what? To demolish strongholds. To demolish strongholds. The world says, hey, some of these sins are just normal. Everybody does it. No big deal. But Scripture says, no, 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 no. No, when it comes to sin, when it comes to strongholds, we wage war. We demolish strongholds. It's a serious thing. Why? Because of our key thought for the series. 
you're taking notes, write this down, share this with a friend, share on social media. Here's what God teaches us. He teaches us that fulfillment in every area of our lives depends on freedom in every area of our lives. Fulfillment in every area of our lives. Success in every area of our lives. Uh, Financially, academically, relationally, spiritually. Fulfillment in every area depends on being free in every area. And when we allow ourselves to be in, in in a stronghold, in bondage to sin, we don't experience the freedom that Jesus has promised us in the gospel. It's why it's so serious. It's why we demolish strongholds in our lives. And my prayer all week has been, and I I hope it's your prayer as well, that just as Jesus has done the last couple of, of weeks, that the Holy Spirit would sweep in in an incredible way this morning. And that he would set some of us free from the stronghold of pride. Stronghold of pride. So what is the stronghold of pride? What actually counts as pride? I think it's important to define this because there's some confusion. For instance, my wife sometimes thinks that I am really proud uh, because I don't let her drive. Um, Men, anybody uh, with me? Anybody understand uh, what we're talking about? I I don't let my wife, yeah, amen, brother. He's one brave soul over there. Thanks be to God. So (laughs) I don't let my wife drive very often. And and, and ladies, you might say, well, you think that women are bad drivers. And and that's not what I think at all. I want you to hear me say that. Women are very good drivers, uh, very cautious drivers most of the time. Uh, What I've learned is that women necessarily are wild drivers. Um, South American women are are wild drivers. (laughs) Right? And so I've just learned, so women, when your husband doesn't let you drive, it's not an issue of pride. It really, it's an issue of self-preservation, right? Like we really do want to stay alive. And if you've ever wondered what's going through a man's mind when his wife is behind the wheel, uh, let me uh, illustrate this for you. Uh, It's a lot like this. Every man has that look when his wife is driving, right? Amen. Any more bold hands? Thanks, brother. Thanks be to God. This, this, it doesn't count as pride. It's self-preservation. So what actually does count as pride? Well, I think as we learned last week about anger, just like there's two types of anger, there's holy anger and there's sinful anger. I think there's also a holy pride and a sinful pride, right? A holy pride and a sinful pride. And maybe you say, well, how can I tell the difference? Well, it's really simple. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Holy pride elevates another. Sinful pride elevates me. Holy pride elevates someone else. What are some examples of holy pride? Well, maybe you're a parent and you have a child who does really well on a test or or they befriend the kid in the neighborhood that nobody else wants to play with. And you say, man, I'm just so proud of my child. That's, That's holy pride and your child. Uh, maybe for you ladies, your, your husband, he, he works really hard and he, and he finally gets that promotion or, or, or he finally gets that project done around the house and, and you're just so proud of your husband for how he takes care of the family and all he does for you. And that's a, that's a holy pride. I, I've got a lot of holy pride in my wife. Uh, as many of you know, in the next couple of months, she is going to become a professor. Uh, she's going to start a doctoral dissertation and she's going to have a baby, Right? Uh, only a woman could multitask in, in that way, right? Uh, and, and I'm just really proud of her, and I'm not just saying that to make up for the previous thing, right? I, I really, really do have a lot of holy pride in my wife. Uh, maybe you're here today, and you're saying, you know what? I've got all sorts of pride in my church. 
I'm just so excited to be a part of what God is doing in this place. And you, you think about the food pantry, the outreach to the community. You think about parents that are adopting children, fostering children, giving children without homes, uh, a new hope and new life. Uh, you think about lives that are being changed every single week in our services. People that are coming to Jesus, marriages that are being healed, families that are being reconciled. And you say, you know what? I am just so proud to be part of a church like that. It's holy pride. It's the excitement what God's doing. It's holy pride because it doesn't elevate me. It elevates someone else. There's another type of pride, and it's sinful pride. And sinful pride elevates me. And if you're wondering how God feels about sinful pride, the good news is that he tells us really clearly. It's found in Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 5, he says this. He says, the Lord, say it out loud with me, the Lord detests the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will what? They'll not go unpunished. He says the Lord detests the proud of heart. They will not go unpunished. For Jesus, for God, uh, uh, pride is a really big deal. Why? Because when we have sinful pride in our lives, we are elevating ourselves rather than elevating him. It's glory about me rather than glory to God. Sinful pride is a really serious issue. So how can you know if you're struggling with pride? If you're taking notes, I think there's three really clear types, three really clear signs of sinful pride. And I encourage you to jot these down, uh, share them with a friend, share them online, because I think all of us at one time or another has struggled with one of these three types. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. It's the pride that says, I'm above the rules. I'm above the rules. I know what the rules are. I know what the Bible says I'm supposed to be doing, but you know what? I'm just kind of exempt. Different set of rules for me. So maybe for you, you know what Jesus says, and he says, you ought to love your enemies, and you ought to forgive people that hurt you. But you say, you know, Jesus doesn't know what they did to me, and there's no way I'm doing that because I'm above the rules. Uh, uh, maybe for you, uh, you know what the Bible says about purity in your relationships. And you got your, 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 your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And, and, and you know what? You know that you, you, you probably shouldn't be living together. Uh, or you know that you probably shouldn't look at the things that you look at late at night. But, but, but you know what? You say, I'm strong. I'm above the rules. I can handle it. Uh, uh, maybe for some of you, uh, you, you, you have this situation, and, and I know there's some of you here today, but Jesus loves you. There's some of you that, that, that at times you, you're in the grocery store and feel it's okay to confess this to, before God. But uh, at times you're at the grocery store, and, and you're going, and, you, and you've got uh, all these items in your cart. And, and you're standing in line, and the line is really long, right? And then you look up, and you see that the express lane is wide open. Anybody want to go ahead and confess, right? So now Jesus tells us in the Bible that you can't have more than 20 items in the express lane. He says, and it's written in stone on the sign, right? 20 items or less. And I've seen you because what you'll do is you actually count the items in your cart and you'll have like 21. And you know what you do? You go ahead and go into the express lane. And I am standing behind you and I'm watching you and I'm seeing you. So this week at Kroger, right? At Kroger, I am watching you. I'm watching you at Kroger, and, I, and I'm judging you. I'm counting the items in your cart, all right? So if you see me in Kroger, stay in your line because you're not above the rules, right? No one is above the rules. It's the type of pride that says, I'm above the rules. 
I, I don't have to buy it. I can do something else than everybody else. Second, if you're taking notes, it's the type of pride that says I'm above needing help. I'm above needing help. Uh, uh, maybe for you, you're, you're in a situation where your marriage is struggling. And, and you say, you know, I really ought to get help. I really ought to go see count and get, get a counselor. But you know what? We'll figure this thing out. I can do this all by myself. And maybe for you today, you're struggling with, with some sort of secret sin, some sort of addiction in your life. And if you could quit on your own, you would, but you can't. But you're too afraid to tell anybody about it. And so you say, you know what? I don't need any help. We'll just figure this thing out on our own. Uh, you find yourself in a situation where you think that you're self-sufficient. Uh, you think that uh, the most important thing is to keep on a face and to look good on the outside, even though you are dying on the inside, and you say, I'm above needing help. The problem with that mentality is that God tells us, if you think like that, you're a fool. In fact, he says it clearly in Proverbs chapter 26. He says this. He says, do you see a person who is wise in their own eyes? In other words, do you see a person who thinks they've got life all figured out? Do you see somebody who thinks they don't need any help, don't need a community, don't need somebody to support them? Do you see somebody like that? He says there's more hope for who? There's more hope for a fool than there is for them. More hope for a fool than there is for them. So, for example, a, a couple uh, uh, years ago when we first moved back into the area, we, uh, we bought our house and we moved in. We loved our house. And there was just one thing that really annoyed me horribly, and it was the water dispenser on our refrigerator. Okay? This is a first world problem. I'll go ahead and tell you in advance, right? This is a water dispenser. You guys know what I'm talking about? You hit the lever and water goes into your cup. It's just magical. It's awesome, right? And so I had this water dispenser on my refrigerator, which is great, but when I would push the cup against the lever, the water would come out so slowly that it would just, it would just kill me. Like, literally, it would take me 20 seconds to fill up a whole cup of water. And, and this is how my brain works. I'm sorry, but I calculated it should only take me 10 seconds. And so every time I, I, I filled up a cup of water, it was like I was dying inside 10 seconds at a time. You, you know what I mean? It's just a horrible thing. So one day I just decided that I was going to become a refrigerator uh, repairman. Um, and my family can testify I have no skills uh, whatsoever uh, in that area. Uh, no handyman skills, can't do anything with my hands, but I'm going to be a refrigerator repairman. And so I go in and I put on my work gloves, which you don't need for a refrigerator, but I just felt like that was the right thing to do. So I put on my work gloves and I announced to my wife that I am going to fix the water dispenser. And she laughed at me for a while. Um, and then she realized I was serious, and she pleaded with me. She said, Andrew, don't do it. Go get somebody to help you. You have no idea what you're doing. And I said, eh, you want to bet? And she said, yeah, I do. All my money, I'll, I'll bet it all right now. So I went to work, and I, 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 I just worked on this thing. So, so within 30 minutes, I'm proud to announce that the problem had gone away. Within 30 minutes, not only was the water not coming out slowly, it wasn't coming out at all, man. I mean, within 30 minutes, I had taken the whole back off of the refrigerator. I lost most of the screws. I think the dog ate them. I had cut, I'd cut off power to the unit, and I'd broken the water line. Thanks be to God, right? Within 30 minutes of my time. And I'll be honest with you, I had never seen my wife so proud of me at that moment. Like her face was bright red with, with holy pride. She was so wholly proud of her husband. But she was really the most proud when the refrigerator repairman actually did walk in uh, uh, a couple weeks later uh, with a brand new filter 
And he said, you know what, all you really needed to do was replace that old filter with a new one. And a $300 repair bill later, and uh, we had our $15 filter. Thanks be to God. So here's what uh, we have lovingly done at my household to keep me humble, is we've actually recently posted this verse on the refrigerator. Uh, it's, so it's Simone's version, and it goes like this. It says, uh, do you see a husband? Uh, who is wise in his own eyes. Next slide, guys. Do you see a husband who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for who? More hope for a fool than there is for him. Right there in the refrigerator every time I want to fix it. It's so true, right? Do you you see somebody who thinks they've got life figured out? Do you see somebody who thinks they're above needing help? More hope for a fool than for them. Three types of pride. The type of pride that says, I'm above the rules, the type of pride that says, I'm above needing help. And then third, if you're taking notes, this is the type of pride that says, I'm above you. I'm above you. And now, no one's going to actually come out and say this, right? And you're not going to stand here and say, thanks be to God, Pastor Andrew, I think I'm the best one here. I think I've got this thing all figured out. I know about the rest of these guys, but I, I'm, 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 I've got my act together, right? Nobody's going to come out to say that. But our actions betray our feelings, Maybe you're somebody who's, who's got a, a critical or, or a judgmental spirit, right? And, and you're somebody, by, by your criticism, by your judgment, in effect, what you're saying is, I know better than you do. I, I can do it better than you do. I am better than you. Uh, maybe uh, for you, you're somebody who, who simply refuses to say that you're sorry. In your relationship with a husband or a wife or, or a family member, uh, you know that, that it really does take two to fight, right? It takes two to tango. But you always blame somebody else for the problem. And, and so you always think to yourself, if, if they would just fix their problems, if they would just fix their issues, then my life would be great. And you're saying, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm above you, right? It's this issue of pride. The problem with this type of pride and with every type of pride is that God says it is extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. In fact, he says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, he says this. He says, pride goes before what? Before destruction. But a haughty spirit comes before a fall. Pride comes before destruction, and a haughty spirit comes before a fall. What Jesus says is, if, if any of these levels of pride exist in your life, that you think that somehow you're above the rules, that you think somehow you're above needing help, if you think somehow you're above somebody else, you have this critical or judgmental spirit, what Jesus says is you're just one step away from destruction. You say, well, Andrew, is it really that serious? (laughs) Really that big of a deal? And God says yes, because you're giving a foothold. You're giving a stronghold to your spiritual enemy. And our spiritual enemy wants to do what? He wants to steal, and he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy everything meaningful to the heart of God. So pride comes before destruction because we allow a foothold, a space, a place for our spiritual enemy to work. Extremely serious. So what are we going to do? How do we fix it? How can we break free? Well, there's good news this morning. God's word gives us a really clear path. In fact, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture is John chapter 3 and verse 30. And I think it answers the question really clearly for us this morning, how do I break free from the stronghold of pride? Here's what John says, John chapter 3 verse 30. He says, he must become greater and I must become less. 
He must become greater and I must become less. How do we break free from the stronghold of pride? Well, what God says is, is, is he must become greater and I must become less. So what do you say? First step, he says, you've got to become less. You've got to become less. Here's what's happening in John chapter 3. Uh, John the Baptist has been on the scene for quite a while now, right? And so he is, he's baptizing people, and people are coming, and they're, they're repenting, and there's just this incredible uh, revival that's breaking out across the country. Thousands of people are coming to John. And then Jesus shows up, and Jesus starts doing miracles, and so what do people do? They start going to Jesus rather than John, and that makes John's disciples just a little bit nervous. In fact, look what they say in verse 26. It says this, they came to John, and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, look, he is baptizing, and everybody is going to him. He's baptizing, everyone's going to him. In effect, the disciples are saying, what are you going to do, boss? Uh, crowds are down, giving is down, we're not as popular as we used to be. What's the problem? And some disciple raises their hand in the back and says, I think it's that Jesus guy. <laughs> I think it's that. It's your cousin, man. Your cousin's taking all of your people, and what are you going to do about it? It's a pivotal moment in John's life, right? Because he could have said, you know what? You're right. This is my turf. This is my river. These are my people, right? Hello, I am John the Baptist. I'm the one that's supposed to be baptizing. Jesus, get your own nickname, right? Do your own thing. I'm John the Baptist. God told me to do this. It's a lot like a couple days ago when uh, my son, uh, Lucas, uh, I was out grilling some uh, steaks on the grill because my wife says that that's my job as a man in the summer, and so that's what I do. And so I was outside grilling some steaks on the grill when suddenly, out of nowhere, my son grabs a water gun, and he runs over to our little kiddie pool, and he fills it up, and I'm completely, he doesn't understand the law of war, right? I'm completely defenseless, back turned to him, and he absolutely just hoses me down. Uh, baptized from the back of my head to the bottom of my feet, just hoses me down. And you can imagine how blessed and excited I was feeling at that moment. And so I turned around, and then Jesus said, Andrew, you just preached a sermon on anger last week, amen? And so I took a deep breath, and I let it out, and I said, Lucas, what, what in the world do you think you're doing? Like, like what has possessed you? What's, what's got into you to do something like that? And I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. These exact words came out of his mouth. He looked at me, water gun in hand, and he said, he said, Dad, God told me to do it. God told me to do it. <laughs> I, well, all right, by all means then, man. If God told you to do it, then have, go another shot. We'll just take it, right? If God told you to do it. And that could have been John's response, right? Hey, this is what God told me to do. God told me to baptize. But what does he say instead in verse 30? He says, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. He must become greater and I must become less. How do I break free from pride? We realize it's not about me. Because here's the key thing that John understood. He understood this principle. I exist either to glorify God or to glorify me. But I cannot do both. 
I exist either to glorify God or to glorify me, but I cannot do both. And John said, if I've got to choose, I'm going to choose him because he must become greater and I must become less. How do I break free from pride? I break free first by saying, I've got to become less. And then secondly, he has to become more. The less that I get, the lower that I go, the higher that he has to go the higher he has to be. It's this, this idea that, 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 that as I remove myself from the equation, he becomes the one who receives all of the glory. And this is the moment, guys, where I think, I think the Holy Spirit is going to ask us to get real honest with ourselves. This is where the rubber meets the road. So we have to ask ourselves the hard question. Does the way that I live my life bring glory to God or glory to me? Does the way that I, I, I think about my money, the way that I use my finances, a, am I more worried about bringing glory to God or glory to me? In my conversations, the words that I use, the things that I say, a, am I worried about bringing glory to God or am I worried about bringing glory to me? In my relationships, the way that I treat my husband, the way that I treat my wife, the way I take care of my children, is it about me, is it about what I, I want or am I bringing glory to to God in my relationships, with the boundaries that I've set, my commitment to purity? Am I behaving in such a way that it brings glory to God or that it's glory to me? It fulfills me. Because what the Bible says is you can only choose one. You can only choose one. It's either glory to him or it's glory to you, but you simply cannot do both. And you want to know the really ironic thing about this is that Jesus says this, Everyone who exalts themselves is going to be humbled. But everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. Everyone who wants to bring glory to themselves, what ultimately happens? <laughs> they get humbled. The very thing they didn't want to happen actually becomes what happens. But, but what Jesus says is if you actually empty yourself, the last become first, the first become last, the greatest become least, and the least become greatest, the humble actually are the ones that get exalted. And, and here's, the, here's the real thing is that Jesus understands how difficult this is because Jesus walked this road before us. Here's the principle. God will never ask you to do something that he didn't first do for you. He understands how hard it is. He understands the sacrifice that entails. And you say, how could he know? He's God. Philippians chapter 2, where, Jesus, where, the, where the scripture says, where Paul says, Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, right? But he actually came and he emptied himself. He made himself nothing and made himself like a servant, taking on human likeness. And Paul says, being found in appearance as a man, he actually even humbled himself further and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What's happening here is that Jesus says this. He says, I'm God, but I've made myself man. All-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, omniscient God, also 100% man. He, he limits himself in his physical body. And then he doesn't just take on flesh. He, he doesn't just live amongst us, but he actually comes and he dies amongst us. Why would he do that? Salvation of our souls. To reconcile you and me back into relationship with the Father. Jesus said this, hey, Father, it's all about you and it's not about me. What's he pray in the garden? 
He says, Father, if you can take this cup from me, please do it. But not my will, but your will be done. Jesus said, you know what? It's not about me. It's all about the Father. I must become less. The Father must become more. I must become lower. The Father must become higher. And when he humbles himself, he actually gets exalted. How? Because Paul goes on to say in Philippians 2, he says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of God the Father. At the name of Jesus, church, every knee is going to bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess. Whether we want to or not, whether we think he can or not, whether we planned on it our whole lives to exalt ourselves or not, what Scripture says is ultimately he wins. Ultimately, we win. Everyone who humbles themselves are going to be exalted with the one who is exalted to the highest of heavens. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. So here's what Jesus says this morning. We've got a choice. We can get rid of the stronghold of pride right now or we can get rid of it later. But at some point in your life, your knee is going to bow and your tongue is going to confess. And it's going to be about you It's going to all be about him because he must become greater and you must become less. Jesus, we come before you today and we simply ask that your Holy Spirit would move. Remove the stronghold of pride from us today. Set us free right now, right in this very place. Have your way amongst us. Every head bowed, every eyes closed, uh, uh, no one looking around. I, I believe that there are some here today. You'd say, Pastor Andrew, that one's for me. That one was for me. I've got some pride in my life. I I know I do. And when I assess my life, if I were honest, if it was just me and Jesus sitting in a room together and he said, hey, is it more about you or more about me? I have to be honest. I'd have to say, it's about me. The way I use my money, the way I spend my time, the words that I use, how I treat other people, it's more about getting more for me. My advancement, my promotion, my will, rather than is about his. And today you'd stand before Jesus and you'd say, I don't, I don't want that anymore. <laughs> I don't want it to be about me because I can only exist for one purpose. Jesus, I'm either going to exalt you or I'm going to exalt myself. And I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be all about you. And if that's your prayer today, if you'd say, Jesus, more of you and less of me. More of you and less of me. Uh, you must become greater. I have to become less. If that's your prayer this morning, more of you, Jesus, and less of me, would you just lift up your hand right now? all over the place. Thanks be to God. More of you, Jesus, all over the sanctuary. More of you and less of me, Jesus. More of you and less of me. Jesus, you've seen our hands, but more importantly, you know our hearts. (laughs) Break us of the stronghold today, God. Break us today. We don't want it to be about us. We want it to be all about you. Help us to live in humility so that when we humble ourselves, we with you will be exalted. the highest of heavens, the highest place. Thank you, Jesus, for your work in our lives. Continue to pray. Again, heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. Tell you a little bit more about this Jesus that humbled himself for me and for you. What scripture says is that every one of us here has sinned. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, our sin deserves punishment. Our sin deserves judgment. Our sin actually deserves death. We deserve to live eternally separated from God. But God had another plan. Because he so loved the world 
that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. And that son, Jesus, humbled himself and took on flesh, and he walked around amongst us, and he lived 33 years a sinless life on this earth. And then he died as a sinless sacrifice for our sins. You say, why would he do that? Because Scripture says that he who knew no sin, he who had no sin, became a sin offering for me and for you. And there's some of you here today that you walked into church and you said, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know if God could forgive me. I don't know if he could accept me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how bad it got. But what Jesus says is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how bad it got because I love you. I gave my life for you and I forgive you. I can wipe your sins as far as the east is from the west. And there's some of you here this morning, you say, I need that. I need that. Today, maybe you want to start out for the first time on your relationship with Jesus. Maybe there's others of you, you want to start over today. You say, Jesus, it's got to be about you. It's got to be about you. Forgive me of my sins. I need Savior. I need help. I need forgiveness. I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of trying to do it by myself. I need help today. I need a Savior. Hey, if that's your prayer this morning, would you lift up your hand right now? I need a Savior. Thanks be to God. Who else? I need a Savior. Thanks be to God. Who else? I need a Savior. Today's the day. Thanks be to God, brother. Who else? Today is the day of my salvation. Today is the day. Thank you, brother. Praise be to God. It's not about me. It's all about him. Thanks be to God. Hands up all over the sanctuary. Guys, would you pray alongside your neighbors, people sitting right next to you that are entering into the kingdom of God this morning. Would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I humble myself before you. I need your blood. I need your forgiveness. Take away my sin. Cast it away. As far as the east is from the west. And welcome me into your family. Send me your spirit so I can follow you all the days of my life. And I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First Church, can you celebrate with me as new life comes into the kingdom of God this morning? Praise be to God. Thanks be to God. You know, there are so many of you here today that, that you made a commitment to Jesus. Uh, some of you said, I need, I need freedom from pride. Uh, he's got to become greater. I've got to become less. There's some of you that said, I just want to start out or start over in my relationship with Jesus. We're so excited to celebrate with you today. Uh, we want to remind you that, that this isn't the end of the journey, right? This is just the starting point. It's not the finish line. It's the starting point. And we have people who would love to celebrate alongside of you. So here's what we want to encourage you to do. If you made a decision today, if you lifted up a hand, we want to encourage you to take a moment, fill out a connection card right there in front of you, and, and hand it to an usher, hand it to a staff member, to me, one of the other pastors. Give it to somebody with an orange lanyard. They'll keep the information confidential. They'll get it to us. Because the most important next step you can take is to share your decision with somebody else. You walk out of this place, and the enemy will convince you that nothing changed. He'll convince you it didn't matter. He'll convince you it didn't mean anything. But if you share it with somebody else, it starts meaning more and more and more. So we encourage you to do it. 
Right now, Pastor Brandon's gonna come and do the benediction. Praise is gonna close us in song. Do it right now. Do it before he convinces you otherwise. Share what Jesus has done in your life. And we'll give God all the glory.